Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. All right, grab a seat. Welcome to church, everybody. It's good to have you in the building. We're going to have baptisms after the service. Thank you, worship team. Give it up for our worship team. Come on, aren't they amazing? Oh, come on, they deserve better than that. Come on. I mean, they went an extra hour last week, so. You know, I love it. I love, and, and Donnie will tell you this. Donnie talks about this with our worship team as well. We're not chasing a moment, right? Whatever God does, when he does it, is how he does it, and we respond. And, um. Today wasn't as loud and all the stuff, although we had, you know, but, um, but it was just as powerful. Amen? And God can heal and make new and uh, in all kinds of ways. And so we are a church that is uh, diverse in its approach. Amen? Um, it may not always be the same, but it will always be pointed the same direction. Come on. I'm a preacher. I can make words work. Uh, they're good at, we're good at one-liners. You just move the same word to the end of the sentence and then flip. Anyways, um, Acts chapter 8. If you want to jump into Acts chapter 8, uh, before we go too far into it, uh, May is, just a heads up, we do take a break from dinner parties in the month of May and in the month of August. It's a busy season for a lot of people. How many of you already have like three events on the calendar in May? Just like they just some reason they pop up. It's graduations. It's weddings. It's for us. It's on top of those things. It is birthday and wedding anniversary. We get married 15 years on May 19th. I almost said 15th. 15 years. I got. I'm mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Give me. Give me some grace, babe. And uh, and and I'm I'm excited to have been married to this beautiful woman. Um, and so that 15 years and uh, and so we we take a break in May from dinner parties. So one, here's one, a couple encouragements. One, I would highly encourage you to be here on Sundays. Um, some of our dinner parties still hang because they just like doing it. But be here on Sundays, right? That's number one. Be around. Be a part. Maybe grab lunch after church on a Sunday. That's always fun. And we got a couple great places within quite literally walking distance of this building. And uh, so grab somebody. Take them to lunch. Uh, two. We've got Pentecost Sunday, May 23rd, Pentecost Sunday coming, um, and we're going to kind of celebrate that with a worship prayer night. So May 23rd, Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, we will be gathering here for a night of worship and prayer, and uh, if the last several weeks have been any indication, um, it's going to be good. And so I would highly, it's a great way to invite some people along. It's going to be a good time, and I'm excited about it. And then we do have baptisms after the service today. And, uh, and so if, I want to just say this right up front, is um, if you've never been baptized, or if uh, you were baptized when you were young and you had no idea why or what it was about or whatever, and you're saying today, this is why I'm being baptized. And you want to make that decision around people that you love, who are your community, who you know, who are going to walk with you through it all. Um, I want to encourage you to do that today. You can do that today. And we have poured hot water into the pool out there, so you should be in good shape. Um, I just told someone earlier, I felt it, and I was like, oh, that's no big deal. That's just West Coast. You're good. You're good. Um, and so I, I, want, I just want to make that available to you. If today, as God, as, as we talk about this and as 
uh, is God speaks to your heart. If you decide, I want to get baptized today. If you didn't sign up, you didn't fill out the form, you didn't do, I don't care. Uh, we got shirts for you. We got towels for you. We got all the stuff. And I hope that we're becoming more and more a church that can just hear it and obey it. Right? We don't have to explain it or clarify it. We hear it and we obey it. Things get much simpler, right? I know that with my children. If they just hear it and obey it, it's just that much easier. And uh, so, you know, it's wild about this because some of you may be like, oh, you're preaching a word on Holy Spirit or on, sorry, on baptism just so you can, um, just so you can convince somebody to get baptized. And, And Meredith knows this and uh, Amanda knows this. By the way, this is probably your last Sunday to see Amanda for a couple weeks. Amanda and Kyle, be praying for them because uh, they're getting, they're having a baby tomorrow. And um, so excited about that. Um, I mean, we just, uh, so uh, be praying for them. And honestly, though, they've had some things fighting through with even their little daughter, Emma, uh, in the midst of being prepared to have a baby uh, that has been very challenging. So, um, so just be praying for them. Pray for them over the next couple of days, and uh, it would be awesome. But some of you may think, okay, he's, he's coordinating this. All right, you're having baptisms, so you got to preach on baptisms. And you know this. We've been doing something called the lectionary. The lectionary is a guided approach to the Bible. Over the course of three years, you will have read most of the significant moments, and every Sunday you get what you would call uh, a gospel uh, a pro- uh, an Old Testament, you would get a prophet, so Psalms, Prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, you would get one of those, and you would get a, a, an epistle uh, in the New Testament. So you get all these, and you read them, and you preach from them, and that's kind of your guide. They're not, you don't have to do it, uh, but that's kind of how we've been doing it for this year. We've never done it before. It's been really good. I've really enjoyed it. And when we set the date for baptisms, uh, I had not yet prepared for this Sunday. I had not gotten my stuff out. And I, I promise, this is real, uh, I'm not lying, because um, I'm a preacher, and we never lie. Um, y'all, y'all know that's not true, right? So, um, and so I, uh, I jumped into it, and the very first verse is a story about baptism, and, uh, and I thought that was kind of cool. So I'm not trying to coerce anybody or convince anybody, uh, just, uh, but I do want to make sure you understand and know that it is available to you today. And, uh, and I would love for you to take part in it. All right, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. We are out of a gospel today. Typically, you would hear me preaching from a gospel. Um, and so we're preaching out of Acts chapter 8 today. But I don't think that this is any different. Um, I don't think that Jesus is not seen in this. In fact, I think you see him in a really unique uh, way. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And we're going to read through verse uh, 40. And then uh, we'll jump in. All right, verse 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, right? I just mentioned him a moment ago. Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. Come on, there's that, hear and obey. And he's in the middle of a revival. Like, he's in the middle of Samaria. He's preaching. He and the disciples are are making waves. Things are happening. He's, He's got it good. Ministry is going well for Philip. And, and he hears the Lord say, uh, leave what's going well, leave what's going good, and, and go to the desert road. Don't you love God when he takes, calls you out of something, and, you're, and it's why it's, sometimes it's so confusing. Like, wait, wait, but then nothing's wrong. Like, I'm good. I know, but go. Yeah, but, but things are good. And God redeems this in a moment, and we'll see it in a little bit. But God calls Philip and says, go to a deserted road, 
Sounds a lot like maybe the call of Abraham, right? Abram, we heard about that last week, right? Didn't Pastor D.L. Adams just do a phenomenal job unpacking Scripture? Such a brilliant, we talked to him today, uh, or, or sorry, this week. And, uh, and I want to encourage you. I told him on Friday, hey, we're going to push a little bit harder um, to give towards your church plant, which is happening about a mile from here, Revelation City Church. And so if you were not here, uh, you were not part of last weekend, sorry. And, um, but two, um, but two uh, I want to encourage you, if you want to give into a church plant that's going into our city, um, and I love them, and they're amazing. One of the most amazing testimonies from last week was how many of those guys said, you blessed us. And I just so major props to you guys as a church because you went in with them. They weren't here to convince you of anything. They just joined in. We were two churches united under one name, and it was really, really something special. God moved in a powerful way. And so Philip's got his thing going, and God says, hey, move, go to this desert road. Go to this place where you don't know what's going to happen. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of Candace. Now, Candace is not a name. It's a title. In case some of you are like, who's Candace? Uh, That is a title, just like Caesar, the official of Candace, or the, the princess, the queen of that region, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. So this eunuch was in charge of Candace's treasury, all the money, all the stuff, and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The Spirit told, so listen, sometimes we read that story as though Philip was right up on the eunuch in that moment, this high-ranking uh, official in the country of Ethiopia, and it's not the same Ethiopia that we would know today, uh, but he see, he, Philip goes without knowing who's going to be on the road. And sometimes obedience does require us to go places where we're not entirely sure what's going to be there. We're not always sure what's going to happen See, we, 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 don't, we don't count the cost of where we're going. We count the cost of who we're going with. We understand that God is going to call us at times into places we aren't totally sure of or completely understand, and God has called us into those places regardless of whether or not we know what's there. Again, I feel like I'm preaching uh, Pastor D.L. Adams' message. Uh, by the way, you know what's really cool is that Bishop Patrick Winfield, who's become a friend of mine, who's a pastor of uh, Potter's House, the Fort Worth campus, was watching last week as Pastor D.L. was doing his thing, and he texted me and said, Pastor D.L., Tell him that he did well. Tell him he did good. I told DL, and DL's eyes got big, and I was like, yeah, come on. And so I just think it's cool what we're tied into as a church uh, in this city. It's not normal that all, all the pastors around the city are all friends and buddies, and uh, I'm really proud to be a part of it. Okay. He was sitting in his chariot on his way home reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. That, that was traditional. That was normal for you to read the Bible out loud. Some of you should try that. It's pretty interesting. Uh, one of my uh, Bible heroes, one of the people who taught the Bible in one of the most profound ways is a guy named Rod Anderson, a friend of my parents. And uh, he used to talk about how he would read the Bible out loud because he wanted to hear it. And there's something about hearing it when you say it. That's why when you sing a song, so many times we hear someone else read Scripture, but we sing songs. And when we sing songs, especially when they're so rooted in Scripture, we wonder why there's faith building in our spirit. Something, there's obviously, there's some biological, scientific reasons why music opens certain things in our lives for sure. Uh, But there's also something that happens when we begin to sing Scripture. The Psalms were something that were recited but also sung. There were things that that you would confess 
And so sometimes we need to read the scripture for ourselves and maybe even read it out loud uh, so that we hear it because it's one thing to hear it in our minds. It's another thing to hear it through our ears and process it. Plus, it makes you take it slower, right? It makes you really settle in to it. So just a, just a thought. You may want to give it a shot. So here he is reading the prophet Isaiah aloud, which you and I both know is like just an awesome book of the Bible to read because you understand everything in it. Totally makes sense. The Spirit of the Lord told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, I love the picture of God telling Philip to go join him and to see Philip running towards it. Deserted road, some random dude running towards your, towards your chariot. Now, I want you to understand, this is a high-ranking official from Ethiopia. It's a 1,500-mile trip by boat, by land. This is not just some dude by himself with a hired hand. This is a high-ranking official. Now, there's some history in Ethiopia at the time of the Jewish people, uh, not the, the, in, in terms of the people of Israel, but in terms of the king and the queen knowing one another and things. Have, so there's a, a history. There's probably a few hundred years here where, where at least the, the one true God has been talked about in Ethiopia. The one, not Jesus, not the resurrected Christ, but the one true God. So there's, there's a reason he had shown up. There's also the commentary. William Barclay talks about this idea that in um, so many regions in the earth at that time, there was a ton of gods, just, just so many gods, so many kind of different things to do and to sacrifice and pray towards and all, that, that the, 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 the message of a one true God brought rest and peace and that people would pursue it simply for the sake of I can put my eyes on one thing. You see, I would say that kind of is relevant to today because we have a lot of gods. We have a lot of things that are telling us what we should do. Every single day, there are gods of culture. There are idols of culture. There are uh, men and women of culture. There are certain ideologies of culture. There are, there are belief systems of culture that are telling you what you should do, how you should do it, what you should serve, how you should serve it, what you should wear, how you should buy, what you should, all the kinds of things telling you what to do. And it's why the, the, the commandments, man, the commandments are there for rest, not burden. So when God says, have no other God before me, even a better translation might be beside me, have no other God beside me because I'm telling you right now it's going to be exhausting. Yes, you'll step out of some blessing. Yes, you'll step out of my plan for you, but it will be exhausting to on Monday serve your paycheck and on Tuesday serve, and on Wednesday serve, and on Thursday, it will be exhausting. To always be looking for the next thing to order your life. To set your life in connection to and orient your life around. So have no other God before me. And rest and trust and believe and sit and walk and be still and know that I am God. How about that? So this eunuch, this high-ranking official, 1,500-mile trip, probably had quite an entourage around him. Probably had quite a crew. If you notice, he was sitting on his way home. He's not riding a horse. He's not doing any. He's sitting in his chariot because others are taking him where he needs to go. So he has got a group of people, and here comes Philip. 
Philip, who just came out of, man, the crowds of people, ministries happening, things are going, and here comes Philip running up to the chariot. Eunuch probably doesn't even know he's there. There's probably a few guys that see this random dude on this deserted road running after and running towards the eunuch. Now, my guess is that there's probably some like, wait, who is this dude? Who is, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where someone is running at you and you don't know them and there's nobody else around. It's a bit of an intimidating moment. I had a moment this week where someone said hi and I couldn't remember who they were, but I knew I knew them. In fact, I had that moment three times in the past week. And so I I'm going to work on my memory skills. I'm going to download one of those apps that makes you remember things. Because I'm getting older, I guess. And I remember, and I texted the guy later. I was like, I totally know who you were. But I had not had my coffee yet. It was early. And, uh, and so I just it did, I blanked, right? You ever been in those moments where you're like, I don't, I know you. I don't know you. Do I know you? I don't know if I know you. It's a bit disorienting. So Philip shows up all by himself. Philip is not with an entourage. Philip does not have a group of people. Philip has not brought the people who just got saved in Samaria. Philip is running on a deserted road, not really knowing exactly what he's meant to do, and he's running towards this high-ranking official from the region of Ethiopia, and he is going to just do what God says. And so Philip shows up. Philip ran up to it, verse 30. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he asked this question. Do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what you are reading? That's a big question because the eunuch, obviously being over the treasury of the queen, had some finances. To have a scroll, to have something he's reading, is, I think we typically think, oh, so he's got his, his latest you know, leather-bound Bible in his hand. He's, no, no, absolutely not. For him to have one that he had going home with it in his hands that was expensive. That was something of very, very high value. And he's reading it, trying to understand it. So Philip shows up, realizes this man is reading the prophet Isaiah, and asks him this question. Man, if we as Christians would lead with questions, if we would just ask better questions, the only reason we always feel like we need to give an answer, and there are times for that, please don't hear me wrong here, there are absolutely times where you just need to go, it's Jesus. But he asks the question because he wants to bring this into where we're in this together. And if we would just ask questions and trust the Holy Spirit to lead the conversation, if we would just ask, do you understand who Jesus is? Do you understand why I go to church? Do you understand why dinner party and community matters? Do you understand why I think this Bible matters? Do you understand what you're reading when you're reading Isaiah 53? Do you understand what you're reading? And the, the eunuch says to him, he says, how? How can I unless someone guides me? I, so I want you to think about this, right? So the eunuch has bought something really valuable, is reading it in his chariot, just hoping that as he reads it, he'll get it. I don't know, maybe you've ever read the Bible like that. You ever read the Bible like that? I'm sure the 17th time I'll get it. I'm sure it'll make sense. The eunuch is sitting there going, I'm reading this, and it's not really there. And, and Philip shows up out of nowhere and says, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch goes, how could I? Unless someone guides me. I'm on the church. 
We're meant to do this together. We're meant to ask questions together. We're meant to, do you understand when he says this? Sometimes you're asking the question hoping that they'll tell you because you don't either. Do you understand why? Do you understand this? Do you understand Galatians? Do you understand? Why do people get baptized? Why do we take communion? Why, why do we read this? Why are we reading about Jesus? Why do you understand? And the eunuch says, how can I? How can I possibly understand unless someone guides me, shows me, leads me, talks with me, engages in a conversation with me. How can I possibly get it? So he invited Philip, this stranger who was running on a deserted road, to come up and sit with him. Come on now, let's sit with each other. I'm telling you, this is good. He reads the scripture passages. The passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. How will anyone talk about his legacy because he doesn't have one? Now I want you to remember, who's reading this scripture? I want you to remember, who's reading the scripture about humiliation and justice being denied? Who's reading the scripture about one who would not have a legacy? Who's reading the scripture about the silence of the one who has been rejected? Who's reading the scripture? You always got to ask this question. Why is he reading Isaiah 53? Why is that happening right now? Why is he reading this scripture? Of all the scriptures, why is he reading this one? And is this the one? Why is this one the one that Philip shows up to? Verse 34, the eunuch replied to Philip. No longer are we describing him as the Ethiopian eunuch. No longer are we describing him as the Ethiopian. Luke in the book of Acts just simply describes him as now the eunuch. The eunuch replied to Philip, I ask you, Who is the prophet saying this is about? Himself or another person? Who is he talking about? I really need to know. Who is this one who was silent before his shears? Who is this one who was a lamb led to the slaughter? Who is the one whose justice was denied? Who is the one who will will talk about him when he's gone because he doesn't have anyone else to talk about him? Who is it? I need to know this. So Philip proceeded. Oh, I love this. So for Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus. From where? Beginning from that scripture. Philip. <clears throat> There's a lot here. Philip hears the eunuch reading a story about justice, about humiliation, about pain, about the, 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 the lamb being led to the slaughter, of all of these. Here's it. The eunuch is reading it. Who is he talking about? Who is he talking about? And Philip begins to tell him about Jesus, starting in Isaiah 53. There's got to be something we all understand. You can find Jesus in every single part of the Bible. We don't Read this 
so that we can just have a good story. We don't read this just so we can have good ideals. We don't read this just so we know what right and wrong is. We read this so that when someone says, I don't understand, I don't get it, we can, starting from where they are, we can point to Jesus. Philip, taking Isaiah 53, begins to speak about Jesus. Well, this prophet is speaking about Jesus. Why does the eunuch need to know this? Well, the eunuch, most likely, in his teenage years, before puberty, would have been castrated. Most likely. This is not every time. Not every eunuch was that. But most of them had been castrated. Most of them, a high majority of them, without their consent. Not because they wanted to, not because they felt like called to some life of service, but because someone else had deemed they were the ones. And the reason they were castrated was for two, twofold. One, because they, they could not build their own empire, because in that time it would have built, been built on lineage. So they had no, there was no, there's no, I'm going to put you in high-ranking officials, I'm going to put you with a high-ranking title, and I'm never going to be worried about you trying to take over. And the second is because many of them would have been, in char- been put in charge of the harem. Now, this may have been a little different with the Ethiopian eunuch because he's serving the, the queen. But there, there was many of these guys would have been put in charge of the harem, which is the women that the king owned. And because that's why the story of Joseph, you, you, you hear the story of Joseph refusing. There were women in this place, and they would, the king would want to make sure that you weren't going to try and take over and sleep with any of my wives or any of those that I have in my harem. Yeah, I know. It's a little messed up. I get it. But I want you to think about this. The eunuch also would have then been denied access into the temple courts. The eunuch would have traveled 1,500 miles, shown up at the temple courts, ready to worship, because it says that's what he was doing. I have, I have a feeling he took the deserted road because he's a little upset, doesn't want to see a lot of people, he would have gone to the temple courts and as a eunuch would have been denied entry. On top of that, most likely, he was still a Gentile. What they would have called that as a proselyte. That would have been someone who wanted to worship the one true God but was not a Jewish person. And before they are baptized, that they are still worshiping, but they're tr- trying to figure it out. Okay? So, so this is, I, I want you to just get a picture. 1,500 miles. Not, not received into the temple courts. On top of that, been called to or been made to live as a eunuch with no legacy to be given, with no access to things that other people had access to. And here he is reading the prophet Isaiah. What scripture? Let's just read it again. I just want to read it again. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before it's sheer, so he does not open his mouth. He doesn't understand why. What's happening to me? Why am I being chosen for that? I didn't do anything. I'm a young man. What, what did I do to deserve this? In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? How will he leave a legacy? He's a eunuch. He's got nothing. How will he? How? And Philip sees a man who would not have made it into the temple, would have been rejected after a 1,500-mile trip, would have been told all his life, you, you have one purpose, and it's to serve. And if you ever do anything, in fact, we're going to make it impossible for you to do anything beyond this moment. This is a man fully rejected and yet had the title of one who could rule. I want you to think about the, the conflicting narratives and stories running through this man's heart. 
this story of I am, I am the, I'm in charge of the treasury. I could buy a whole scroll of Isaiah. I've got what I want. I've got what I need. And yet I'm rejected at the temple. I wanted to worship God and I can't get in. I want to leave a legacy and I don't have one. I've been denied justice from a young age. I was told I had to be this and there's no choice in the matter. I had to be silent. I had to be, I just had to take it, deal with it. And, and Philip, oh, yeah, that's about Jesus. That's about the Savior. That's about, that's about God. That's about the one true King who understands what you have felt and what you have walked through and what you have been subjugated to and the justice you've been denied and the pain you've felt and the silence you've had to keep and the things you've had to deal with. And God knows every bit of it because the prophet in Isaiah is talking about Jesus. Can you imagine the Ethiopian eunuch 1,500 miles from home on a deserted road. Have, has God ever taken you to someone else's wilderness? You're not there on accident. Help them see Jesus. Point them to Jesus. And the unit going, I've been rejected. I've been tossed out. I came as royalty into this place, and they wouldn't let me in because of something someone else did. I'm being rejected on both sides. I'm not I'm not bad enough for this, and I'm not good enough for that, and I'm not clean enough for this, and I'm not. I don't know where I fit. Can you tell me who this is talking about? Because whoever that is, I can find myself there. And, and Philip begins to tell him, now here's what's really cool. If you could put Isaiah 56 up there. Isaiah 56, three chapters later, my guess is that Philip begins to walk him through. No foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord should say, the Lord will exclude me from his people. And the eunuch should not say, look, I am a dried up tree. Go to the next verse. For the Lord says this, for the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold firmly to my covenant, I will give them in my house and in within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. I'll... So the Ethiopian eunuch hears this. Wait, what? You're talking about Jesus? Wait, this is, I can have a name better than the name I have. I can have a legacy even better than what I've been told is my legacy. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. Not Philip, but the eunuch. Again, we're still calling him the eunuch, not the Ethiopian. We're calling him the eunuch. Said, look, there's water. Philip's like, yes, I've seen it before. It's water. I've seen that, yeah. What would keep me from being baptized? Now, verse 37 is not in every single translation of the Bible. For some of you, you're reading a translation right now that doesn't have verse 37. You didn't notice that before. It just goes 36 to 38. It's interesting. Regardless, it works. Verse 37 says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then he ordered the chariot to stop. I told you he was with other people. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized them. 
when he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer. But he went on his way, what? Rejoicing. Philip appeared in his, I don't know that, and he was traveling and evangelizing in the towns until he came to Caesarea. What, what's going to keep me from being baptized? Now understand, he would have seen baptism as a rite of passage. We sang this today. We read it in Psalm 136. The Red Sea, baptism is symbolic of the Red Sea and symbolic of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The people passed through the Red Sea and then the waters came down on the people of Egypt, the army of Egypt trying to destroy and kill. And, and it came down and all of a sudden at the River Jordan, that things, things changed. Uh, they went into their new calling at the River Jordan. The same thing kind of happened. The priests stuck their toe in the water, the water stopped, and the people walked across. There is some symbolism all throughout Scripture about the water being the thing that starts a new life. And why Jesus get baptized in the Jordan? Why? Because that's where the people of Israel would remember that they walked through and started on this journey towards their promised land. Jesus, Jesus got baptized to identify with us, so we get baptized to identify with him. Water was a place of renewal and change. It was a place of new things coming to life. It was a place of walking into a new family. It was a place of identifying with the Savior. And so here's this Ethiopian eunuch, and he sees some water after hearing this message. You will not be called dried up. Eunuch, you will have a name, and you will have a memorial, and you will have a legacy that carries on. You are not finished. You are not done. And in the kingdom of heaven, it is not based upon what you can provide. It is based upon what I can do in and through you. And I've already made a way. And the eunuch goes, I want to be baptized. What's going to keep me from being baptized? Now, he must be asking this on three levels. And I want to break it down and we're going to be done. You must be asking this on three levels because remember what he just walked through. He just has been rejected. He's been rejected by many people throughout his life. He's been given a title, but almost like a, almost like a slap in the face. You're this because you're not this. And the eunuch must be asking, what would keep me? And his first thing must be, his first thing must be, man, can I get baptized? Can I, as a, are people going to reject this? Like, are they going to accept? I've just been rejected at the temple. I've been rejected at all these other places. What would keep me from being baptized? Am I actually going to make it? Like, am I okay? Like, can I? I'm a eunuch. I've got, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how or why. Or why. Can I be baptized? I was told I can't enter the courts. How could I be baptized? The second one must be Philip. Hey, you're a disciple. You know do I need to do anything before we go there? Like, do we need to do anything and approve anything and change anything? Or I need to commit to certain things? Or do I need to, like, what do I need to do to be baptized? He must be asking from Philip's point of view, like, would you say I need to, like, take, a, take six months, go through this discipleship class, and then you can be baptized? And he must be asking personally, too. Wait, do, do I really want this? Like, I, there's, I don't know, man. This is a new family. This is a new thing. I'm identifying with a new Savior. Like, what would keep me? What would keep me? What would keep me? I know people have rejected me. Philip, I, I don't even know him. He just came stumbling along on this deserted road. But the big question, the big question, what would keep me? What would keep me from this next step, this next thing? What would keep me from that? Philip says nothing. Do you believe? Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll work out the rest later. 
Do you believe? Yeah. Well, I got a family for you. Let's do this. Do you believe? Yeah, 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 I do. I do. Okay, well, all right, let's do it. Identify with Jesus. Identify with this family, this new calling, this new thing. Let your old life be washed away. Step into a new life. Death, burial, resurrection. Identify with Christ. Come out of that water as a new person. And he did. Philip disappeared. We don't really know how. Maybe levitated. Maybe just puff of smoke. I'm not sure. I'm sure Philip was surprised. But the unit comes out. Philip's gone. And he went on rejoicing. Now, if you know this, Ethiopia has a strong, it's one of the most persecuted churches in the world. There are, there are many who have professed Christ. And some would say it's because of an Ethiopian eunuch who had felt rejected on many occasions, who had been led silently to the shear, who had been denied his justice, who had just had to sit quiet and do what he was told to do. And then he went to the king, was rejected. And then Philip left his revival tent meeting. Because there were a time when that wasn't weird. Sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry. He left this amazing thing happening in the streets of Samaria. And he goes to a deserted road and finds the one single person who's reading Scripture. Who is this Savior? Because I, I can find myself there. I want to identify with him. Oh, it's such a good story, y'all. How do you see Jesus now? How do you see Jesus who would leave the 99 and go to a deserted road with the one who'd been rejected all his life for something he did not do? Something that was not even his fault. And he finds his Savior who says, I know you, and now you know me. We're in this together. Lord, I thank you. What's keeping us? What is keeping us? What's stopping us? Is it people? Is it what they've said? Is it what they've done? Is it what they've put on us? Is it what they've, what they've forced us into? Is it the, the pressures of this world that if, if I fully identify with Jesus, what's going to happen to my reputation and my name and who I am? Is it Philip? Is it the disciples? Is it Christians? Have they made me feel less than? Have they made me feel worse? Have they made me feel rejected? Or is it just me? Is it just me? I'm not sure. I don't know if Jesus would accept me for who I am. I'm not sure if Jesus really loves me. But he is the one who kept quiet in his persecution. Not because he was afraid, but because he knew that in his death, he would find resurrection. In his death, he would find life and life everlasting. In his death, his faithful love would endure forever. And there would be nothing that would keep it from those who needed it most. Come on, do not call yourself dried up. Do not call yourself finished. Do not tell yourself you are done. Because Jesus says to you, when you come into my kingdom, you will have a memorial, you will have a name, and you will have a legacy that goes far beyond what you could ever do yourself. I am fired up right now. Holy Spirit, right now, 
in the hearts of many. Restore, renew, refresh. God, where people are searching and don't know, let us be Phillips. Let us show up. Do you understand, Jesus? Do you understand what that's pointing to? Do you understand what your chaos is actually pointing you towards? Do you understand what your worship of 17 different idols every day of your life is actually pointing you to? Do you understand that this unknown God, like Paul does in Acts 8, do you, do you understand that this unknown, this is actually the one true God, and all you need is him. You don't need all this other stuff. Do you understand? I want to ask you right now. I want to ask you right now. Just pray this prayer with me. And, um, if you want to decide to follow Jesus today because you've seen a Jesus you can follow. In your own words, as I pray this, I want you to pray. I'm just going to simply pray a simple prayer, a simple prayer. I want you to pray it yourself. In your own words. You pray it out loud. You pray it inside. However you want to do it. Lord, I give my life to you. Lord, I give my life to you. Jesus, I give my life to you. My past, my present, my future. My sins, my good, my bad, my ugly. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name.